The Theonauts, episode 23. The one where we talk about, I mean, what else? The Bible. The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theopodlings. Ooh, that was good. Yeah. yeah. How's it going out there? <laughs> I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Yes. How was your week, David? I am getting over my cold. That's good. But I am still hacking up stuff. So Lots of vitamin C? No. TLC? <laughs> no. Any form of C? No C? Okay. Nope, none whatsoever. <laughs> I, that's, I'm just getting over it like a man. <laughs> Rubbing some dirt on it. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> like I'll just eat some dirt, that's right. and I'm happy to have it. Walk it off, walk it off. I had one of those coaches in high school, whatever, I played football. I mean, my leg could be busted, and the bone could be protruding out, and he'd go, walk it off, son, walk it off. <laughs> that's right. So, um, my, my dad had a uh, had a saying: If it's not bleeding, you're not hurt. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, my week's been pretty good. Uh, I drove. I left on Friday from uh, Savoy, Texas. Mm-hmm. Drove to Kansas, spent the night. Saturday, got up and drove all the way to the middle of Wyoming. Spent the night, then drove to Reno. Spent one night there. Then drove back to Wyoming, stayed the night again, <laughs> then drove back to Kansas, oh, wow. stayed the night, and back to Savoy. And Dude, here I am. And you're just as bright eyed and bushy tailed. That's right. I mean, <laughs> go figure. I mean I mean that's what like fifty monsters will do for you. <laughs> I'm joking. It was a it was a crazy ride. We had a uh, funeral to attend. Uh, the pastor who ordained me mm-hmm. um, and actually walked my wife down the aisle. They were really close. Uh, his wife passed away, 80 oh. years old. And, and so we felt it best to go do the funeral. But instead of, you know, flying like normal people, we thought, hey, let's get in the car and drive. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. That's in Nevada, right? Yeah, Nevada. Okay, Nevada. Thank you. This is, well, you know what? <laughs> My wife is from Colorado, but to me it's Colorado. <laughs> it's Colorado to me. <laughs> Colorado. Oh well, at least so, we're in Texas, and everybody can that's say that. Right. So, that's so you went to Nevada. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and on the way, you went to Wyoming. Uh-huh. Well, it's we, not exactly on the way. It is if you go up eighty. We went to Reno, Nevada. You got to think Reno's in like the top. Uh, Welcome okay. to Geonauts. This is where we're, <laughs> this is where we're talking about geography. No, yeah, okay, now give, well, it's all Wyoming up, is north, right? And of it's up way Nevada, up, yeah, right. Well, it's actually kind of. We went through Wyoming, you cut through the north top of Utah, where Salt Lake City is, right on eighty, and you go eighty right into Nevada, oh, all the way okay. to Reno. All right, so that's, I'm with you. Yeah, it was just that northern road. Saw a lot of nothing. Wow. I mean, there's nothing out there. Made me kind of happy I live in Texas. 
<laughs> I know what everybody thinks that about Texas. That's right. You know, and you know what everybody thinks about Texas <laughs> is really El Paso. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, I mean, even well, it, you know, as as desolate as some of the parts of Lubbock, Brownfield, you know, that area is, it's still not quite what everybody pictures. Right. You know, everybody kind of pictures those tumbleweeds and everything like that going on. And, yeah. But. So, yeah, but um, Texas is huge. There's a lot more yeah. than that. And it's kind of green where we live. It's yeah. kind of nice. And we used to be our own country, yeah. crying out loud. Of course. <laughs> oh, now we're good. Welcome to Texonauts. This is, we're talking about Texas. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, <laughs> next we'll be talking about college affiliations. <laughs> Boomers. <laughs> Boomers. No. When, no, school, you never lived in Oklahoma, right? I did live in Oklahoma. Oh, you did live in Oklahoma. So My, is that where you got your Sooner uh, love? <laughs> or is that just from... Uh... The, okay, so basically, my my father is a gigantic Sooner fan. And he raised me in the tradition. Um, and he was born and raised for a good little while in Indoctrinated then. Yeah. And my whole family is really on the or side from Oklahoma originally. Yeah. My grandfather, great grandfather, my grandparents lived in Cushing, Oklahoma, and they now my grandma lives in Stillwater. Yeah. So. We were part of the land rush. That's right. Way back then. <laughs> and uh, I remember as a kid, this is how in We the, were sooners. We don't just root for them. <laughs> With all of our teeth and everything. We're sooners. You ever heard that? How can you tell that truck is from Oklahoma? I don't guess so. If both sides of the cab have spit stains from tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I love it. There's your OU joke for the day. <laughs> Anyways, you want to hear some news? Uh, yeah, but first. Oh, okay. All right. I want to catch up on, on uh, some of the, my workings I've been doing like on the side. You know me. I've always got... At least three irons in the fire, too many. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So one of my things I've been playing with lately is uh, t-shirt design. Yeah. Well, I've been doing t-shirt design for a while now. Yeah. You have and, some of the best t-shirt designs I've ever seen. Oh, thanks. Well, anyway, um, you know, I had Not Of This World, the t-shirt mm-hmm. company, uh, has carried a couple of the designs before and uh, met some great artists online, uh, Christian artists and stuff that... I've collaborated with and stuff. So we've had all kinds of fun designing uh, stuff. Sure. Well, I decided to play around with doing story envy, which is kind of like a do-it-yourself, you know. And um, story is that an online? It's like an it's like a Etsy or okay. whatever. Cool. Only they don't uh, they don't charge you so much. Awesome. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so I started this thing. Where I've got a few of my designs out there. If anyone is interested in supporting me, help <laughs> me make a living. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so I put all these these t-shirts that I've designed. I keep you know throwing more out there here and there. Sure. But uh, if anyone wants to check that out, it's holycubed.com. So that's her. That's yeah. Awesome. So it's like the holy, 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 yeah. holy cubed. cubed. Genius. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, you guys should definitely go out and check check out David's shirts. One my, one of my favorites ever is the Puma 
it looks like the Puma li- or logo. The logo, right? But it's actually a lion jumping through, and it says "Lion of the Tribe of <laughs> Judah." Judah. Yeah, that's so awesome <laughs> to me. I, I just love that shirt. So yeah, I'm so. gonna go buy that one from you. So we, so we had, uh, so I've been having fun doing some design and stuff yeah. like that. And part of what made me uh, think about this was I uh, just got through designing the logo for. The GCT Network. Yeah. So we're rebranding a little bit. And the Great if, Commission Transmission. If you guys have been uh, listening at all to FCC, they've talked a little bit about it on there. Yeah. And uh, so I'm kind of ex- excited about the, the logo design we came up with. Definitely. And uh, so more on that, more to come on that. You know, hopefully I'll be able to get some t-shirts and, and whatnot of that stuff going too. Definitely. So. I saw the t-shirt designs and I have to say my favorite red on yellow or yellow on red. That was so cool to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like cool. the Redskins colors, but way cooler. So, anyway. <laughs> Isn't it Boomer color? Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and now, the news. Well, speaking of the Sooners, um, a former Sooner player, Adrian Peterson, has been in the news quite a bit lately. Have That's heard correct. That? Yeah, I've heard. Um, it's You know, it's kind of a shocker. First, we had the Ray Rice incident where... Uh, basically, what had happened was he cold cocked his girlfriend in, in a Vegas hotel at the, in the elevator. In the elevator, <laughs> and they had video of it. Well, what happened was that was uh, they pretty much she was knocked out, then revived. Um, they disciplined him for it. The NFL did. Right. They knew about it. Um, she forgave him. They ended up getting married. Everything was okay, and then the video went viral. <laughs> right? And so everybody's crying out, you know, we need this guy, you know. So he got kicked out of the NFL and lost all this stuff. So anyways, and they're they're wondering, you know, can you double jeopardize this the whole situation? But so you have that. And then piggybacked on that, uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, the star running back for the uh, Minnesota Vikings, has been uh, charged um, with one count of uh, child abuse. Um, and I guess the story goes, he, in his own words, uh, I'll, I'll read this to you. Basically, uh, when he told the police what he had done, let me see if I can find this. I had it highlighted and I just lost it. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Um, <laughs> Peterson told police that he grabbed a tree branch, removed the leaves, and whipped his son so many times he lost count. That's basically <laughs> okay. what he said. Um so it's arising this question, this great debate that's been in our nation for so long is spanking, child abuse, right. what what part of spanking is child abuse, what not part and one of my and what constitutes spanking and what exactly. Yeah. So basically they're they're up in arms, there there's two sides of the story. Peterson says, you know, I regret that I did it out of anger, but I believe in disciplining my children this way. I believe spanking is the right way to go. I was spanked. And I'm okay, and I, I think that this is all right. And then you have this other side, you know, uh, going, spanking is barbaric, it, you know, it messes with yeah. the child and, and all this. And so the, the big question becomes, you know, what's the right side? And you know what I've noticed? I'm, I'm reading through all these articles about this, you know, and they're trying to decide what to do with Peterson. He'll probably get a couple game suspension and, you know, have to pay a hefty fine and then right. have to deal with the – whatever it is, uh, the court rules. But um, nobody's gone, what does the Bible say about discipline? 
Well, now is he basing his is he basing his justification of this act in his religious beliefs? I don't believe he is. I, I think he's just basing it off of this is this my is culture. How I was raised. This is how raised. I was raised, mm-hmm. and I think this is right. You know, um, and we got to understand Adrian. Uh, two years ago, a man murdered one of his children. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it was a horrific thing. He was living in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. His wife, I guess, and him had split up, and she was living in Texas, I believe. And, yeah, a man broke in and murdered one of his kids. And so, you know, you got to understand, you know, it's not like the guy doesn't have compassion. I mean, imagine right, he's right. living from wow. that and all this other stuff. And so he does, you know, he spanks his four-year-old. And, you know, a switch, is that too bad? Back in my day, if, you know. Oh, dude, I just, I, I got totally wore out as a child. Yeah. If, I, if I made it a full day yeah. without getting beat down, well, then, I mean, I don't mean beat down as in, you know, there was no slugging going sure. on. Sure. But, you know, getting spanked. I, mean, I got spanked every single day. Me too, you know. Growing up, I grew up uh, when I was a little kid, about this age, I was in Oklahoma, and actually I, I would ride the bus to school. It was an hour ride. I would have to sit there for an hour, and a five or a six-year-old with ADD like myself, I couldn't handle that hour <laughs> ride. It was horrible, right? So I would get, and they would do this three-strike rule, and I'll never forget, Mrs. Hightower was my principal. And she had to spank me on a weekly basis. I would get swats from the... And they still did corporal punishment. And the rule yeah. was, whatever I got at school, I got twice as much uh, I at had home. That, that same that same law. Yeah. So <laughs> it was not fun growing up. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I was disciplined. And I, I kind of harken back to the wisdom of Solomon when he writes in Proverbs that beat a child and he will not die from it, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not for beating your kid, but it's a really interesting, you know, how much is too much? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? And, uh, you know, should you do it ever out of anger or, you know, anything like that? So, Well, I think that it's, it's easy for us to also throw a blanket over this yeah. and say it's never okay or it's always, that's the only way you should discipline. And um, I just don't think you can do that. Because, you know, I had two very different children that I raised. And uh, my daughter, man, after I spanked her a few times, I had instilled the fear of God in her, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I could look at her Mm -hmm. with this look, you know. And all of a sudden, boy, it was like, whoa, she'd start (laughs) welling up tears. I mean, she was very easy to discipline in that way. My son... Not so much. <laughs> I, he's kind of bigger than I me now. Could, he's bigger than me now, <laughs> but he's always been obstinate. Like with, I mean, you you could just you know spank him and spank him and spank him, and it wouldn't sink in. Sure. He five minutes later he'd be doing the same thing. It's like, man, what? How much do I have to spank this kid to get it? But I take something away from him. Whoa. Yeah, so world <laughs> got uh, his attention. Yeah, <laughs> so it just depends really on on the nature of the child. The sure. thing is, we sh- I, I don't think we should be like removing that off the table, yeah. taking it off the table. You know, I do think that we have to be very cognizant about are we injuring the child, right? Because that becomes something different. Sure. Anytime you're injuring a child, it's it's just not okay. Right. But discipline is is not a bad thing. 
And in fact, it's instructed that we discipline our kids in Scripture. And so, you know, whenever people point to that and go, see, you can spank them, and that's what you do, because that's what the Bible says, kind of go, you know, what that's talking about is the root of the thing was is discipline. Mm-hmm. God loves us, so he disciplines us like a father loves his children. So we should discipline our children. And it could be spanking them, putting them in a corner or whatever, but we need to be, be available to discipline our kids. And so anyways, I, I you know, I worry about AP because, uh, you know, he is a former Sooner, so right. I feel for the man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's just an interesting thing. So uh, we'll, we'll watch that and see what plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Another thing in the news. Uh, to the game. I, I was really excited about this. Uh, what? I was like NFL, getting to the game. Getting to the game, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you totally threw me off of that comment. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, no, actually, before you, before you get off of that, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of poor taste, I guess, but I, there's this image has been going viral, viral about, yeah. about this whole, uh, what's Ray Rice mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> and someone had taken... I don't know if it's actually his actual wife or it's just a model or whatever, but someone has photoshopped it. Like it's this really seductive looking pose, uh-huh. but she has this like big shiner on the side <laughs> oh of her face, gosh. and it's and it's on the picture. It's the, on the picture. It's like an advertisement for the NFL, and it says NFL get into the game, and has a picture. <laughs> That's so messed up. I was like, "Wow!" Oh, so yeah. yeah, everyone's up in arms because that's gone viral. Yeah, that that whole controversy. That's a it's a serious thing in our society, you know. Yeah. And anyways, uh, otherwise in the news, uh, uh, reform rapper Lecrae, one of my favorite artists. If mm-hmm. you remember back to uh, when we were doing our episode 13, 14, 15, whatever it was. Yeah, one of those <laughs> we talked about favorite artists way back in the day. That's right. Lecrae was one of mine, and all the one one six people. But uh, which is his label one one six click? Yeah. Um, he was on the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he spent the entire night with uh with the Roots Band, rapping a lot of uh, songs off of his new album, um, Anomaly, uh-huh. which has gone number. It's the first gospel album to ever hit number one in the Billboard Top two hundred. Wow. Ever. And so it's just amazing to me that this Christian rapper has hit number one and has this huge. And so he's basically, you know, his um, his big thing is he he's, he posted on Facebook last night. It's a lot to take in. I haven't uh, had time to download it all. I'm so grateful for the support. I know I represent something much bigger than me. Thank you. I thank God for a voice into culture. I pray I use it wisely. Mm. And, you know, he really does have this huge voice of change. And uh, rap has always had this kind of stigma with it. You right. Know, gangsters. Gangsters or just thugs or just not, mm-hmm. not wholesome music. Cop killing. Yeah. And the first time I ever listened to a Lecrae song, my mind was blown because the guy was, he was rapping scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he's like a heavy hitter in his lyrics. I oh. mean, it's there's nothing somewhat vague about it. I right. mean, it is like in your face. Uh, he 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 pulls no punches. Right. Whereas you know some of these other mainstream Christian artists, quote unquote, like uh, Switchfoot, and, and I know they're they're Christian, but uh, but you know their lyrics, they're not you know straightforward. 
Christian. Right. You know, they never say Jesus or anything in their, their lyrics or anything. And, you know, they, they make an impact in society. But here comes this guy like Lecrae, who is, I mean, rapping and in his rap saying, Jesus is the only one that ever saved me. He's the only one that ever cared. In the middle of, uh, in the midst of all this other stuff, he's, he is, he doesn't pull any punches. And um, so he's straightforward. I, I encourage you to check out his, his uh, albums. But uh, I, I just love, I watched a video uh, a couple months back where he was doing this uh it was just like this battle of the rappers thing and mm-hmm. it was this uh uh secular label right and he was the center guy so there were three rappers doing their own freestyle right and he was the second one out of the three and the first guy steps up and raps about sex drugs money and he's like cuss word every other sentence and everything and then Lecrae steps up and raps about how Jesus saved him like right in the middle of that right <laughs> and how he doesn't need to worry about sex drugs or anything else because he's <laughs> totally focused on Christ and then the, the third guy finishes up with sex drugs and rock and roll again right. and you know and you go wow you know what an impact this guy is mm-hmm. making on the culture right and he's standing on the same stage as these guys cussing every other word so I just I think it's awesome that Lecrae good job Lecrae yeah. um, you're excellent but cool witness yeah it's pretty awesome but um, other than that you know we got some great movies coming out the song which is based on the life of the song Solomon oh uh, life really? of Solomon yeah the, did you say the song of Solomon song of Solomon is basically the whole well no it's based on the life of Solomon the whole idea they took they took <laughs> wait a second they're taking the book the song of Solomon and his life <laughs> okay so basically the whole thing is the premise like, is what's the rating just on this, out PG-13 Okay. It's a it's a PG thirteen movie because that's a pretty but R rated. Oh, it is. <laughs> so they're making Christian porn now. Is what I'm trying to say. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, they uh, the song has come out. It's a, a really interesting take. What they're doing is taking the story, the life of Solomon. Okay. Uh, coupling it and using the Song of Solomon, um, kind of as a template there. In um, that, I got you. Um, basically, his rise and then his fall. Right, so and they're moving it into a modern day story. So he becomes he's a musician, and he's trying to follow in the footsteps of his dad, David King, is his dad's name, and <laughs> right. he's like something king, like Saul King or whatever. Yeah. Right, and he's trying to be this budding musician, and he falls in love with this wife of his youth, and they have this amazing relationship, and then he rises the ranks to stardom, and all these women start chasing after him, and it basically ruins him. Gotcha. So this is going to be this really cool movie. I'm excited about. And then, of course, two weeks to the day, left behind Nicolas Cage. Mark your calendars. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. Me neither. I'm going to officially call that Left Behind Day. I'm going to play pranks where I'm going to make people (laughs) think that they're left behind. (laughs) Like my wife imitate Nicolas Cage. I'm totally. I'm like gonna. I'm gonna write like write a letter and then stop it mid sentence and pin it to the door, and then like leave early so when my wife wakes up she thinks she's left behind. Right? <laughs> or do something like that. Anyways, happy left behind yeah, day, I'm, everyone. I'm sure that'll go over well. It will. Yeah. That's all I got in the news, man. Okay, well, we started this thing, the Theonauts, talking about different 
areas of theology. Right. And so uh, one of them that that we haven't exactly focused on totally. is, right, is yeah. bibliology. Right. The study of the, the Bible. Bible itself. Exactly. So uh, we're going to touch on that today. There's going to be a little bit of review because uh, some of the things that I've got in here um, will bounce off some of the things we did before. Hey, hey, David. Yeah. Dude, God wrote a book. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so we're going to touch on some things that we've talked about in our earlier episodes, but more in the concept of is the Bible an accurate book for which we should live and trust or devote our lives to. Right. So the big thing that that, um, you have to ask yourself is, how do I know that this is God's writing? How do I know it's not the Quran? Right. Or how do I know it's not the writings of Confucius? I mean, how do, which writing do I choose as my life guide? Exactly. Um, and so from the, or L. Ron Hubbard, from the agnostic, uh, or, you know, that has no definitive, um, grounds, they, they're, they're the same. Right. You might as well take the writings of Confucius as you would the writings of these Hebrew scribes from back in the day. So what makes the Bible special? What makes the Bible authoritative? Yeah. Right. So how do we know that this thing is the thing that we should be listening and reading right and and, and following so what are some uh what are some good just basic proofs understandings of of uh of the bible that make it authoritative to us well well first off i think that we have to do is we have to know how not to answer that question okay okay um i think that most you know Average evangelicals, church yeah. going folks will say, Well, it's because I have faith in it. Right. Right. That's good. I mean, you need to have faith in what the Bible says. But um, that's not a good answer because the Buddhists can say, Well, I have faith in my ancient writings. The, uh, the Muslim can say, Well, I have faith right. that the Quran is, is accurate. Yeah. So, uh, Although that's a good thing to have is faith in, in the Bible, it's not in its circular logic to say, well, the reason why I have faith in it is because I have faith in it. Right. So, um, so listen. What gives it authority is that I have faith in it. And I have faith in it because it's authoritative. Right. Total circle. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you go to a, a non believer and you start telling them about the authority of Scripture and they ask you that and you say, well, I have faith in it, I mean, you've totally just blown yeah. the, the whole argument. There's and, no. Yeah. And why do you think this is infallible? Right. You know, you have the whole infallibility oh, yeah. arguments and stuff that, right. that start coming into play. So. Um, first off, I think it's important to realize that the Bible is not a book. Really? We often think of it as a book because it's all bound together. That's right. <laughs> it is a collection. It's a collection of books. That's right. And that it was not penned by one author, one human author. Uh, it was penned by uh, some 40-something authors. Right. Uh, so it's a collection of what we have in our current canon of scripture is about is uh, 66 books 
and uh, give or take the apocrypha. Give or take the apocrypha. <laughs> <laughs> the apocrypha is not going to break you, make you, or break you. That's right. So if you want to, if you want to read the apocrypha, have fun with that. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, not nothing bad in there. It's not going <laughs> to. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So what we're we're um, what we need to also uh, realize is this is part of what makes the Bible authentic or um, or gives it some authenticity validity. and validity is that it is a, a fact that over 40 people wrote it over the course of like 1500 years right okay so it's easy as a non-believer to say well the Bible was was a book written by old Jews. That's way too uh, generic. A generic, yeah, because that's not true. It is not a book written by a handful of Jews. Right. It is a collection of books written over fifteen hundred years. Right. And um, by forty some odd authors. And what's amazing, what's crazy, is that they all fit congruently. Exactly. And that's yeah. the thing that you need to take from this particular um, uh, look at it is that. It doesn't, you'll hear all kinds of stuff about contradictions, but when you read things in context and you start understanding the meanings behind the scriptures, you'll start to find that there's no real contradictions in scripture. In the scriptures, that's right. It actually all works very well together. That's right. And the cool thing is, none of these people collaborated. It wasn't like Moses sat down with Job yeah. at some point and said, hey, let's figure this thing out. <laughs> You know, so Moses wrote uh, the first five, five books. books. That's right. Uh, you've got you've got writings by uh, David, King, right. King David. You've got writings by Solomon. You've got writings by the prophets like Daniel and even yeah, and even in like in Daniel, you you have a part in Daniel where King Nebuchadnezzar picks up the pen and writes exactly. a piece. Right? Exactly, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar writes part of chapter four. Right. And so it's like, wow, you've got all these people writing this, and they're not sitting down together and saying, hey, you know what? Let's make a religion. Right. And to do this, we're going to have to put our heads together and get it all right. right. Uh, no one sat down and did that. Right. And instead, you have a, a really mystical thing happening in that you have all these books coming together and speaking in harmony one with the other, especially the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was spread out so many in so many different ways. For you mentioned Job, and then you have uh, Moses writing the first five books of the Bible. Well, um, before Moses really takes up his pen and pins those, you have Job written. Job is the earliest written book, correct? Uh, according to historically, Job is the earliest written book. And whenever you take and put Job side by side with Moses's writings who were contemporaries of each other right. but didn't know each other and had no relationship with each other mm -hmm. they they fit completely with the idea of who God is right what uh even the angels who the angels are the heavenly host right. beating together you have the nephilim that whole that whole yeah that when we had fits together uh, Brian Gadawa on here and we were talking about his book right. we talked about this word that is used in Job and it's used in Genesis that yeah. Uh, B'nai Elohim, which means the sons of God. Sons of God. That's and right. it's the same word in Hebrew that Job chose, yeah. that Moses chose, 
to talk about angelic counsel happening. That's it's congruent, and there's no way it could be other than right. And the Jews, the Jews have a saying that uh, coincidence is not kosher. It's not a kosher word. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Okay, so that I believe that's that applies here. This is not coincidence, right? That you've got you know these two guys saying the same thing exactly um, hundreds of years apart, uh, thousands uh, over a thousand years apart. Uh, but you also have um, the fact that the, that all of these writings survived. Yeah, that's amazing in and of itself. Uh, let's stop and think about this for a minute. Okay, you've got. Um, let's just talk about the Old Testament for a minute. What we call the Old Testament, uh, the Jews call it uh, Tanakh. Tanakh. Yeah, Tanakh means um, it's a, it's actually an acronym. It's three letters. Uh, in their language, it's uh, um, T N K. If we were to transliterate it into English letters, right. so T N K Tanakh, and what it what it uh, T means Torah, the law, the law. First five books of the Bible, Genesis. First five books of the Bible, and they uh, revere the first five books of the Bible yeah. written by Moses as the most holy writings on the planet. Right. Uh, if they're uh, pinned by an actual Sefer um, uh, scribe, you cannot actually touch it yeah. with your hands. That's you have to use a pointy stick. Sacrilege to <laughs> a do. holy stick, right? So, and in fact, that, that's the uh, that's that's the <laughs> portion of scripture where Jesus, when he says, "Not one jot or tittle of my word," right? Uh, that's that's what he's talking about right there. Is the law, um, and it's, it's totally the Jews believe it was a hundred percent inspired by God. It's hundred percent infallible. Correct. You don't touch it. Correct. It's, it's it's the most holy thing that exists on the planet. Right. Okay. So you have that. You have another group of writings that they hold uh, very powerful and very dear to their hearts, and that's uh, the Nevaim. That's the N right. of Tanakh, and uh, Nevaim is uh, it means prophets. So this is the uh, writings of Daniel, Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah. Good old Jeremiah. I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> Lamentations. Yeah. Uh, Daniel. Oh, Ezekiel. I said Daniel. Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, the yeah. minor prophets, Joel, all those guys. Micah. So all those writings are contained in what they call Nevaim or the prophets. Now, when Jesus, if you're reading in your New Testament, Jesus will say things like the law and the prophets. Right. Right. He's not talking about the the law itself and the prophets themselves he's talking about their writings the torah and the nevaim the torah and nevaim right. so uh so the, so you have those two things and then you've got a third less re- revered set of of books that they call ketavim this is the k in tanakh so ketavim means uh writings yeah so <laughs> the generals yeah well, whatever this is just the writings <laughs> we'll throw it in there and this is this is going to include all your poetry, Psalm, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, right? Song of Solomon, Psalms, Song of Solomon. They're making a wonderful movie. That's out of. right. <laughs> so those are um, th- those are poetic writings, and they see them as valuable and life uh, enriching. Right. They don't necessarily hold them as holy writ right. like they do the Torah. So. They have a little different view of the Bible than what we do. So the thing is, they've got all these writings that have survived 
for thousands yeah. of years. Okay. Um, in original content, in original content, right? I mean, it's not like we don't. We're not guessing at the Old Testament. I mean, we have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They. Uh, one of the things that's very interesting is uh, the job of a uh, scribe. Right. Scribes were rock stars of Jesus's time. That's right. And the reason why is because you didn't have photocopy machines. You didn't have printing press. You didn't have all these things that we can easily replicate documents right. with. So uh, these guys were trained in a way of copying holy, well, not just holy books, but also legal documents. Right. And um, the most important thing is that you can't make a mistake. That's the most important thing. If you can copy the document without making any mistakes, you're a rock star. That's right. Especially if you do it over and over and over again. So these guys, um, this is actually, even though they were doing it for selfish and prideful reasons, because it did elevate them up to a standard, Jesus talks about the scribes yeah. in a poor way, right? I mean, oh, he yeah. talks about them being prideful. and, and The and, scribes and the Pharisees sit right, at Moses' he, feet. He puts them right into there with, right. the, with the other Pharisees. So, uh, so, but their pride and their... Um, Arrogance. Their arrogance led them to protect the Bible. God used that right. in a very uh, cool way. So, like for example, a scroll is a bunch of um, bunch of uh, pages sewn together, okay, in a big long thing that you roll up. Right. So, whenever you would transcribe from one manuscript and create another one, what you had to do was. We talked about how the letters of the Hebrew language have a numeric value. Right. And so what they would do is they would, before they started copying the page, they would add up the numeric value of every letter on that page and, and set that sum aside. And then they would copy it, hmm. dot, jot for jot, tittle for tittle, onto the next onto their their copy and right. then before they went moved on to the next page they would total up the gematria values of all the letters on their page now if the sum did not equal the sum that they had previously added up to the from the original they scrapped the whole page and started again right so basically they'd be like all right there's 25 i's there's 60 u's there's and if they didn't match at the end of each Man, they, they started all over. Yeah, you could not draw a line and correct. You couldn't. There was no white, white out. White out. <laughs> <laughs> like, Auto-correct. Nothing like that. You had to get it right the first time. Right. And so the mark of a good manuscript is how much has it been corrected and marked through. That tells you the quality of the scribe. Right. So, uh, so anyway, these scribes protected it for a long time. Now, think about the ups and downs of the history of the of the nation of Israel, oh, yeah. they went in and out of following God like crazy. Till at one point, we know that King Josiah yeah. finds the Bible, uh, the Torah, in buried in the, in temple. the temple storage, right? Right, and he's like, "Whoa, I found the book." Now, prior to Josiah, you had some crazy kings. His grandfather Manasseh was was <laughs> just doing crazy things in the temple. He yeah. had robbed it, and they were making all these. Uh, weird sacrifices, children sacrificing kids and stuff. Right. And uh, and so there's all this weirdness going on. Somehow the Bible survived that. Yeah. Buried. 
Okay, uh, what we call the intertestamental time, in between the last writing of the Bible and the first writing of the New Testament, there are some writings in the Apocrypha that talk about this, but right. you have a, a, a period of about 400 years of silence where nothing happened. Yeah. And uh, during that time, the nation of Israel was under captivity uh, by the Greeks. Right. And there was a huge uprising and a rebellion and all this stuff. And it was actually, until the rebellion happened, it was illegal to own a Jewish Bible. You could not have one. They were burned. They wow. were all this stuff. Just like what we talked about in our last week's episode about how the Tyndale translation was, was treated. Right. They, they were burning the Bible right. and trying to get rid of it, right? Somehow... It lasted. It survived all that. Yeah, it's amazing. Manuscripts survived. And so it just it goes on and on and on. We talked about the how the Bible was locked in um, in Latin for so long. Right. But yet those original manuscripts survived. Erasmus got five thousand of them together and put them together to make his it just is crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. It had to be led. By, by somebody protected. Well, it's no coincidence. <laughs> exactly. It's protected by somebody. That's pretty good. So um, if we look at our ancient, uh, how we measure how accurate an ancient manuscript is, um, there are all kinds of standards that we look at and all this sort of thing. No one is reading the writings of Plato and going, hmm, I wonder if that's what Plato really wrote. Or I wonder how much we can trust this writing. No one's asking that. Right. Uh, the writings of Homer. Yeah. No one's going, Homer didn't really yeah. write that. And that was Homer's wife. No one's doing that, right? <laughs> but everyone does that with the Bible. Everyone, oh, yeah. Everyone wants to call the Bible into question. Right. But yet you have all these other ancient writings that no one's really messing with. Everyone right. just accepts it. But here's some interesting things whenever you look at uh, the number of manuscripts we have of the Bible versus the number of manuscripts we've got of some of the writings of, say, Plato. Plato wrote his writings between the years 427 and 347 B.C. The earliest copy that we have is in 900 A.D. That's a difference of 1,200 years. Wow. From the time he wrote it to the manuscript that we've got. Wow. No one's asking the question, did anything get lost between here and there? No one's. We only have seven manuscripts total <laughs> of Plato's writings. Wow. But but philosophy hangs their hat on the Plato. writings of Plato. That's right. So it's like there is a double standard sure. when it comes to textual criticism. People will look at the writings of Plato and hold on to it, but yet they'll say, oh, that Bible's not trustworthy. Yeah. Yet we've got over 5,000 manuscripts of the Bible. Uh, and, and the Bible was written, you know, uh, from anywhere from, uh, well, the New Testament was written anywhere from 40 to 100 A.D., the earliest copy we have is 125 A.D., <laughs> and the time span is only 25 to 50 years between the time it was written and the manuscript that we've actually got our hands on. Right. And, oh, I was wrong. There's actually 24,000 manuscripts now. In the New Testament. That's the New and Testament that's the New alone. Testament alone. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess, you know, it, and the same thing with Homer. He wrote his stuff 900 B.C. That's a, almost 1,000 years before Jesus. Right. And the earliest copy we have is dates back to 400 B.C., that's still 500 years, oh, and we've man. only got 600 copies. Wow. So it's, 
you know, there's just there's manuscript evidence. Is sure. I guess what I'm getting at is that. Well, basically, what what we're saying is, um, undeniably, what we have now is what they wrote then. Yes, it's it is a hundred percent accurate as far as as far as that's concerned. Right. Um, and and anything that you know, anybody that would say, well, Paul really didn't write that; it was ascribed to Paul, which I've heard so many times. Yeah. Um, you don't hear that with, well, Homer didn't really write that; it was just ascribed <laughs> to Homer. And yet we have more evidence that Paul wrote it than what. Homer wrote his exactly, yeah. and I mean we've also got um, I don't know just a lot of of uh, of extra biblical references to these texts right from very early on that gives indication that yes this has been used for scripture long before it was translated into the Vulgate and long before it was translated into English and so. There is an authenticity there that's, that's right. undeniable. Yeah. Whenever you really look at it, so uh, but how accurate is the content? That's one of the things that people want to point out. Well, the Bible's wrong. There's there's a place where it gives a circumference of the labor, and it's wrong. Anyone who knows math can figure yeah. that out. Well, well, it says over here there were a thousand men, and over here fifty thousand men. What yeah. are you saying here? Yeah, you know? or why those those gospels don't agree? Yeah. Well, those gospel writings aren't meant to be in unit unison. They were meant to be in harmony. Compliment. So they're yeah. there to to tell you uh, about a certain side of Jesus yeah. from four different views. Right. So, uh, but I want to look at a few things that we now know through science that the writers could not have known through science but are still it's still there in the bible yeah so the first one is um is in jeremiah 33 verse 22 i have it right here you got it there i do all right once you read that out in the esv it says as the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. Wow. So what that's saying, I guess, is that the hosts of heaven, which is the stars in the right, sky, right. like they can't be numbered. They can't be numbered. That's right. And okay, so let's, let's do a little examination of history of what people believed about the stars during right. that time. There were astronomers. There were astrologers. There were a lot of people looking at the stars. Right. Uh, there were telescopes early, very early on. Um, science, the scientific community, I hate to use the word science as if it has a mind of its own because science is a good thing. Right. <laughs> I like science. <laughs> you blinded me. We saw it. Oh, my goodness. So uh, science is a good thing. What scientists do with it is often... Flawed. Right. So, um, what what the scientists of that day believed was that there was an ability to count the stars. No one thought that there was an innumerable amount of stars. They there was about six thousand stars on record at the time that Jeremiah wrote this. Yep. So, why is he not listening to the scientists? <laughs> Whenever he says the, the stars are innumerable. Yeah, he compares them to the sands of the sea. Like, you know, the sands of the sea. I mean, if you go out and try to camp 
count sand the sea. I mean, it's yeah. innumerable. The religious nut job? Yeah. Doesn't he know that there's only 6,000 stars? <laughs> We've well, counted them. We named them. But what do we know now? There are new stars being discovered yeah. every day. That's the, right. The bigger our, our lenses get, the more... Uh, the more our magnification is increased, we we the more we put telescopes out of our atmosphere, like the Hubble, we can start to see. Whoa, there is more and more and more out there. It right. just like seems to never end. Yeah, Who right. could count them all? Yeah, uh, it, it, we've even seen some that are we just see galaxies in the distance. There's no telling how many stars are in those galaxies right. because we can't see them yet. So you know, this is just one of those things uh, that the Bible. Had it right, yeah, and oh. and so this who to thunk? Yeah, go figure. <laughs> yeah, um, there's another passage in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It says, "It is he." It's just uh, Isaiah talking here. He says, "It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers." <laughs> okay, now this is poetic type of structure that Isaiah is using, but he chooses to talk about the circle. Of the earth. Yeah. Now, everyone kind of knows what the science of that day, the scientists of that day, believed The about. earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> they believed the earth was flat. In fact, no one was even really calling that into question until right. much later. Right. And uh, in, even in the time whenever, you know, the popular story of, of Columbus uh, sailing the ocean blue, you know. Right. <laughs> was um, uh, part of, of what he believed was that the earth was uh, was a sphere and he believed he could reach the Indies by going the going opposite, the opposite way that's right <laughs> okay so um, <clears throat> yeah I wanted to look at uh, something that that Columbus said here okay so this is from the diary of Christopher Columbus he says it was the Lord who put it into my mind I could feel his hand upon me the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. There is no question that the inspiration came from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures. For the execution of the journey to the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. <laughs> wow. Wow. So if it hadn't have been for Isaiah saying that, that, Columbus, were, that the earth was a circle. That's right. Columbus wouldn't have gone to the East Indies that way. Right. So wow. so anyway, once again, the the science in the Bible is more accurate than the scientists of that day right. believe. So why would someone go against the 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 what the scientists were telling them the nature of the world was whenever they were writing this stuff right and only because they were being guided by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Uh, there are tons of these. Job is a big one. Uh, Job twenty six verse seven. Uh, he says that the earth hangs about nothing. So okay, it's suspended in the middle. It's suspended in space. That's right. No one knew that for crying out loud. Back then, it was everyone thought that the Earth had a series of foundations uh, 
some of the weird things. Some people believed it was on the backs of turtles. Yeah. <laughs> wow, where did you come up with that? Well, they think, I can kind of see a curve, so it's kind of like a turtle back. That's what ours on. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Woo! carrying their world. On their <laughs> that's great. And that's a t-shirt. That, yeah. A uh, t-shirt idea. <laughs> that's a great t-shirt idea. So, and then you've got uh, some cultures believed that there were elephants. Yeah. Giant elephants carrying the earth. Uh, there's just all kinds of stuff. Oh, here's uh, an interesting one. Psalms 8 and 8, Isaiah 43 and 16, both talk about paths in the seas that the that, that everything follows. Okay? Huh. Oceanic currents weren't discovered until almost the modern era. Wow. But here you have uh, Psalms and Isaiah written... A long time before Jesus even walked on the earth, saying that there are paths in the sea that everything follows. Uh, Job talks about the water cycle. In Job 26 and 8, he talks about how the water falls from the clouds. How God is asking the question is, how did I suspend water in the clouds? And the water falls from the clouds and travels to the seas and then is taken up again. That's the water cycle. Right. Okay, no one was teaching that in science textbooks or anything like that of that day. This is Job we're talking about. (laughs) It's a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And so people weren't studying that. And it's over and over in the scriptures, the water cycle is. Amos 9 and 6 mentions it. Ecclesiastes 1, uh, 6 through 7 mentions mentions it. Uh, Not to mention the fact that Job talks about some undiscovered wildlife of the day. Oh, yeah. So uh, we know the behemoth. Yeah, Leviathan. Behemoth Uh is described as an animal that is so big the earth shakes when it walks. Right. uh, Yet it has a tail like a cedar Cedar. tree. Uh Um, I don't know. I can't think of an animal like that that we currently know. Yeah, except for maybe the... Brontosaurus? Right, or some sort of <laughs> dinosaur, right? So, who knows what the behemoth was. Sure. Uh, uh, Brian Gadawa had it as a really cool mystical beast that was like attacking Noah. It was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But but, um, but anyway, it's wow. uh, over and over the scriptures are, are uh, talking about things like this. Okay, another thing. Archaeology. Yeah. The, 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 the Bible is supported... In its in archaeology of the modern day, so like people are always thinking we're going to dig something up that's going to prove the Bible wrong. Right. That's people think that all the time. We've been digging in the earth for a long time. That's right. We have yet to uncover anything that negates something that the Bible said, even if it's talking about, for example, an ancient city that doesn't exist anymore. Right. People are like, okay, where's the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, read the scriptures, man. That thing got wasted. Wiped, wiped out. That's right. <laughs> but but aside from that, uh, Jericho. For years, everyone thought Jericho wasn't real. Yeah, there's, there's no, no such real. City. There's no real city with walls that fell and all that. But now, archaeology has found Discovered. it. Archaeologists have found it. Um, so there's all kinds of things. There's a, a, a writer out there that I'd recommend uh, picking up some of his books. He writes some really cool stuff, and it's really easy to understand. His name is Robert Cornuke. Robert Cornuke. Cornuke. And, and what his writings are about, um, he is a, an ex-crime scene investigator 
with a penchant for archaeology. Huh. And uh, he got into biblical archaeology while trying to prove that Mount Sinai didn't really exist. Huh. So he was kind of on a bet type of thing. Right. What he found converted him to Christianity because really? he found what in, he believes is in his mind undeniable proof of events of the Bible that he found in the deserts of Saudi Arabia where he believes the actual Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. is, uh, including a scorched uh, mountaintop. The whole mountaintop is black when huh. it's made out of granite. So it's been heated so hot that there that all the granite has been charred completely black, and you have to break the rocks to get to the original rock. Wow! Uh, there's just and, and this is all deep in some territory that you can't really readily get to because of the Saudi Arabian government. But he has like gone undercover, like at the time he wasn't a Christian, so he was lying and writing up all these wow. falsifying papers and, and trying to get in there, and he got arrested actually. <laughs> Before he got out, the book is really exciting because you never know because he goes he goes through uh, an arrest and and he's like he doesn't know these Muslims are going to kill him or what. But he found evidence of altars at the base of this mountain. He found a rock that was a huge rock that was split from top to bottom, very uh, almost like it was laser cut. And there is sedimentary or not sedimentary like. uh, river rock. Oh yeah. Like at the base of it, like water had been Glowed flowing over it from a while. So he started finding all these things that were evidencing wow. what the Bible was saying, and it actually converted him. Wow. And um, his his recent book that he wrote was about the shipwreck of Paul. When you know Paul got shipwrecked in Acts twenty seven, right. and uh, it on the island of Malta. Yeah, Malta. He, he tra- and the snake and all that. Yeah, he traveled to Malta to try and find the this shipwreck and um, of course there is a traditional St. Paul's Bay where it was supposedly happened but on the other side of the island he was hearing all these rumors about this and there's things in the scripture that say that the ship ran ashore where the two seas come together well there's a weird phenomenon about Malta the current flows on both sides of the island and it hits together both of those currents oh, wow. hit together in a boil at one point right in front of a bay that fits the direct description down to the fathoms. If you read Acts 27 and 8, 27 and 28, it, it'll tell you how deep the water is where he was shipwrecked, <laughs> right? It, and and uh, it's the exact depth and oh, all this sort wow. of thing. So he started doing a bunch of investigation and found that over the years, that's a, a diving fisherman have been in that those waters fishing off of that reef, and have pulled ancient anchors out of that um, that water. Wow! And he's well, actually re- recovered some of them, and they're Roman anchors wow. that would have fit the boat that of Paul the time that did. Paul was on. Of course, all the wood is gone. Sure, by, but the anchors. Survive. So anyway, it's just stuff like that. Sure. It's just, uh, okay, the Bible says it, and then we find evidence of it. Yep. Um, and we haven't found the contrary. You know, and I've heard a lot of people, well, you know, uh, and you see all the time people say, is this the tomb of Jesus? You know, or is this the, uh, I, the latest one I read was they thought they found a burial uh, 
box that housed the bones of Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it always goes on to be debunked over and over again. <laughs> right, and right. what they find out, you know, it's got to be frustrating uh, for people who try to debunk the Bible because they continually over and over hit walls. Mm-hmm. It, it just can't be debunked. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. The, and, you know, there's, there's one thing after another. Like, uh, for example, we covered a lot of this in the, in the numerology episode. Yeah. So if you guys didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to some of what we talked about in there because uh, there are some very fascinating things that happen in the Bible that if I was to tell you, go write a, 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 a writing, a religious writing or whatever, and make it do this, you wouldn't even be able to do it. <laughs> so, like, uh, for example, uh, we talked about Christ being on every page in the Old Testament and everything. Right. And, and one of the proofs for that was in Genesis 5. We look at the genealogy of Noah mm-hmm. and the names in there. Actually, if you translate the names into the original root Hebrew words they come from, oh, amazing, it, yeah. it spells a sentence that that says man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort to rest. It's a prophecy of Jesus in the genealogy. A hidden prophecy of Jesus in the genealogy in Genesis. Yeah, the fifth chapter of Genesis. So it's like what? Um, how do you how do you account for that? Yeah. I mean, did they sit down and think of that that someday right. someone's gonna figure this out? Um, I mean, this is just proof of the, the, again, the congruency of Scripture for 1,500 years. Moses did not know Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John who were writing the story, you know, writing the the account of Christ. It's amazing. And and not to even mention the fact that uh, even if these old Jews got together and wrote this genealogy, they would not have prophesied the death of a Messiah. Right. Because... They believed the Messiah was going to be their king on earth. That's right. The suffering Messiah passage in Isaiah was not like heralded as this is what our Messiah is going to be. Everyone saw him as a conqueror. So even if they were doing that, they would have done it in a different way. But instead, it preaches what Jesus actually did. Did. That's right. Um, And then you got Numbers 2, which we talked about that too, where the camp... He just all numbers two does is give us a bunch of of numbers, right? <laughs> the the census and how the camp was to be laid out and all this sort of thing. But when you add the numbers up and draw this out on a piece of paper or whatever, if you, it it the shape of the camp is a cross, right? You fly over it in a, in a helicopter, you would have seen a cross laying That's on right. the ground with sacrifice in the tabernacle being made right in the middle of the cross. Yeah. So, not coincidence there's there's something going on here That's right uh, we talked about uh, equidistance lettering uh, sequences yeah uh, f- finding these quote-unquote Bible codes and before you get too freaked out I'm not talking about finding <laughs> Hitler or 9/11 in the Bible or Shakespeare backwards <laughs> right I'm talking about things that are kind of undeniable like the word Torah being written every seventh or every 49th letter in right. Genesis Exodus and numbers and Deut- Deuteronomy and it's backwards on the last two books and forwards on the front two books. So making an arrow <clears throat> pointing to the law in Leviticus. Right. It's just, you know, um, it's just craziness. Yeah. So, um, but, and then you got the, he- what, what is often called the hepatic 
structure, which is the number seven. The hypnotic structure. Yes. So, uh, for you <laughs> lay people out there, <clears throat> it simply means things that are based on the number seven. Right. It's everywhere in the book. And, and, and I say the book, the collection of books. So It's in there so much that it defies logic. Like, I've heard people say that Revelation, the book of Revelation, contains so many references to the number seven that it's undiscoverable how many there are. Wow. So, obviously, there's things that are right there in the front. Seven candlesticks, seven seals, seven woes, seven, you know, you got all that. But if you start looking at it and mapping it out, you start finding overlapping things that equal seven. Right. And just weird things. And so um, seven means complete. We talked about that in the numerology uh, thing. Um, Albert Einstein himself said, God does not play dice. (laughs) That's great. So I think that's a cool quote. Uh, But, you know, if if he did, he'd win every time. That's right. His favorite number is seven. That's right. (laughs) Lucky number seven. (laughs) So um, the number seven itself appears 187 times in the writings that we call the Bible, which, by the way, is a equally divisible by the number seven. Yeah. Seven times 41 equals 187. Wow. Uh, the word sevenfold appears seven times. The word 70 appears 56 times, which is a factor of seven. Seven times eight is 56. Wow. Um, there are seven divisions of the Bible. You've got, we talked about the law, Torah, Nevi'im, Kedavim. So that's three. You've got in the New Testament, the Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, the Letters, and Revelation. Right. Total, all of that up, seven major sections of the Bible. Right. Um, so if we look at the writings of uh, the, the epistles, the letters, uh, there are 14 of those written by Paul, which is equally divisible by seven. Right. There are seven writings by people other than Paul. Hmm. There are uh, um, seven writings addressed to churches. There are 14 writings not addressed to churches, which is also divisible Divisible by seven. (laughs) So you just start seeing it over and over. Genesis 1-1, most quoted uh, verse of the Bible. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the original Hebrew, seven words. In the original Hebrew... Coincidence? That wouldn't be kosher. 28 letters. Wow. Which is divisible Divisible by by seven. seven. Uh, Unbelievable. If if we were to say, uh, if you go through the the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew, uh, the the number of words in that genealogy is divisible by seven. The number of letters is divisible by seven. The number of vowels, the number of consonants, the number of words beginning with a vowel with a vowel, the number of words beginning with a consonant, the number of words that occur more than once are evenly divisible by seven. The number of nouns is divisible by seven. The number of names is divisible by seven. The number of males in the genealogy are divisible by seven. The number of generations counted is evenly divisible by seven. Only seven words cannot, um, only seven words are not nouns, and only seven nouns are not names. Gosh. So that's the first 17 verses of Matthew in the original Greek. So, so, 
verse 17. So it's like, okay, if I was to tell you, write a genealogy, and you can write it with as many words as you want, with as many names as you want, or whatever, but it has to meet this criteria. It has to be, yeah. Could you do that? (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible. That's right. And so um, um, one last thing that I thought we uh, could throw out there outside of this, the numbers and things, is has to do with just the design of the Bible itself. Think about the doctrines of the Bible, the major doctrines of the Bible. If I was to tell you, I need you to cut out the chapter on love, what would you do? First Corinthians 13. Okay, and we cut that out. Yeah. Is the doctrine of love still in the 100%. Bible? 100%. Yeah. Oh, yes. So you might have damaged the message a little but the doctrine is still existing that's right i was to tell you cut out the section on baptism or cut out the section on faith or cut out the section on pick a doctrine and and that is a major doctrine of the new testament of salvation and i said cut out the passage that tells us that there's another one there's always another one. there's all because um and this goes back to uh the the way you uh, wanted to communicate in the midst of enemies. So like the enemy of God will want to take and cut out a part of the scriptures, but he will not be able to remove the message of the Bible without getting rid of the Bible completely, which we have found over the course of history has been impossible. That's right. So, um, so like for example, back in world war two, whenever you needed to send a secret message, what would you do? You would send it over a, a large bandwidth, right? Yeah. You would send it so that if it got intercepted or blocked or, or whatever, it would still get there right. over a different channel. Or, or so It's the same thing God's doing. He needed to get uh, uh, some information to us. A basic message right. sent over a large bandwidth, which is the Bible. Right. And so by removing part of it, all you do is reduce the resolution of the image. You don't... You don't destroy the image, right? And so it's it's beautiful, beautiful construction. And so the the main thing that 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 leads me to is, I believe that the Bible is of extraterrestrial origin. <laughs> There's no other way. Now you can, E.T. wrote the Bible. <laughs> yes, and so before you get spun up, that word extraterrestrial doesn't mean aliens per se from another world. I'm talking about outside of this earth. That's right. It's extraterrestrial. It's not something that was developed here. It was something that was written here, but it came from somewhere else. It had to have been transmitted through some some higher life form than us. Right. And that higher life form is revealed in the Bible to be God the Father. Right. So if we can come to the conclusion that the Bible is real and that it's truth then we might think that hmm, we better start paying attention to what's in said in That's there right. about our everlasting home and our and our Savior. Right. Because uh, if we can prove part of it, you've basically proved all of it because of this idea that that exactly. is spread across the bandwidth. So. That's right. It's either it's an all or nothing belief. Mm-hmm. You're either all in or you're all out. You can't believe part. Without believing the whole, right? And that's the reality. So, so, so anyway, that's basically Bibleology. Bibleology in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. 
So anyway, um, man, um, you guys out there, let's hear from you. Yeah. Talk to us and give us some feedback. We'd love to uh, to chat with you and to hear what you've got to say and um, and toss it around. Yeah. You can do that uh, via email at Theo. You can uh, email at us. Email us at theonauts at gctnetwork.com right um you can leave us comments on the website at theonauts.podbean.com you can do it through itunes you can do it through stitcher you can do it through facebook uh facebook.com slash theonauts you can do it in twitter at twitter at theonautical um, you can talk to us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an Instagram. Which obviously we just became Irish. I don't know why. Yeah. Is that Irish or that's, Instagram? That's <laughs> that, so you can you can get it there at Theonauts on, um, I think it's at Theonauts. <laughs> it's it's got to be at Theonauts. Yeah. So, and that, so that's on Instagram. And, um, or uh, check us out on the gctnetwork.com. Right. Every time we post uh, one of these episodes now, it's going live onto the gctnetwork.com website. You can check out uh, the new logo, maybe. I don't know. Michael, is the logo up there yet? <laughs> but you can read our show notes. We're going to put our show notes up there so you can see where we're getting some of this information. Exactly. And, and whatnot. And, you know. That's but true. anyway. And, and also, while you're running around the internet messing with Theonauts, you should run around and check out Holy Cubed and check out the shirts. Oh, yeah. Go buy a shirt. Yeah. Help me stay alive. That's right. <laughs> Feed our starving Theonaut. And go listen to Finding Christ in Cinema. FCC. Our partners over there at the GCT Network. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they they uh, are doing cool stuff. They, to, this week, they did Batman Begins. <laughs> so they've started the... I'm Batman. <laughs> so go listen to them talk about the fear of God through Batman. That's awesome. I can't wait to check that one out. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thanks, David. All right, God bless you. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. is your Great Commission Transmission at gctnetwork.com.